ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and friends beyond the binary. It's time for the podcaster patrons uh, that you're supporting. You're keeping me going as I'm here to uh, get get you rolling off to dreamland. Uh, Good night. Uh, Hey, are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep? Welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that puts you to sleep. We do with a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. I'm going to do the rest. What I'm going to attempt to do is create a safe place where you could set aside whatever's keeping you awake, whether it's the thoughts, the feelings, uh, physical sensations, whatever's keeping you awake, I'd like to take your mind off of that, distract you from that. And the way I'm going to do it is I'm going to send my voice across the deep, dark night. I'm going to use a lulling, soothing, creaky dulcet tones. Pointless meanders, uh, rustified tangents. I'll be wearing meander wear, which enables me. But believe it or not, most they say, "Oh, this has compression." I hear that they say, "Oh, this stuff's compression." When when they say that, it just means it's really tight, and it may be from some some spandex material. Also, they stopped using spandex for the most part. I don't. I think that's probably like a brand. But at one point, the spandex was the, the like. You didn't make cats pajamas out of spandex, but maybe you, maybe a cat would like that. I doubt, I doubt, I doubt it. And I, it's been a while since we talked about cats pajamas and meanderwear, so maybe that's what we'll talk about later. Yeah, but if you're new, here's a few things. Welcome, I'm glad you're here, and I hope this podcast can help you fall asleep. Now it doesn't work for everybody, so give it a few tries. See if it works for you. I hope it does. Uh, because uh, I think you deserve a good night's sleep. Everyone does, and you deserve to be treated with dignity and respect and have this nice, uh, relaxing place to check out. But here's a few things to, of note. Uh, don't try to make too much sense of this podcast. It's it's a lot of nonsense and me goofing around and thoughts on top of thoughts, confused with thoughts, and you say, Scoots, the spandex stock is at an all-time high. You know, when I go off and I expound on spandex, or it could be the opposite thing. Scooch, you didn't hear about the great spandex, you know, the shortage. Oh, you know, us here, wherever, we're, you know, really, I said, okay, I'm sorry about that. Uh, you know, I tend to be, so don't try to make too much sense of the podcast. That's one thing. Kind of kick back, maybe consume it somewhat passively. Uh, you know, kind of just like you're watching the clouds go by. So so that's one thing. Uh, structurally, what to expect. Show starts off with a few minutes of business. That's how we keep the podcast free and going. Are the people who actively participate and the sponsors are supporting the show. Uh, then we have an intro. The intros are normally around 12 minutes of me trying to explain what the podcast is, which you'll see we're right in the middle of it uh, towards the beginning, maybe the first to third so far. And it's kind of a show within a show. Some listeners uh, get ready for bed during it or have their wind-down routine. Some listeners fall asleep during the intros. Some listeners listen during the day. Particularly the intro, they say, well, it calms me down. It helps me put things in perspective. Uh, A few people skip the intros, so whatever works. Uh, But it's a show within a show where I explain what the podcast is. 
and give you something familiar, something new, and something. Uh, so I was trying to think of a word, but burrowed in a pillow to keep you from feeling blue. Not quite the rhyme I was looking for, but it's close. And so that's the intro. Then there'll be uh, some business between the intro and the show. Then the, tonight we'll be talking about Doctor Who, but in the most uh, tangential, indirect way you could ever imagine. They say, well, are those bifocals? Oh, interesting. K9. If a K9 doesn't have K9s, is it still a K9? You know, I said, that might be something I would go on a tangent about. And you say, well, I don't remember that episode of Doctor Who, uh, but I kind of do. Kind of like you, you, if you had a, you know, watched the episode of Doctor Who, four months later, you had a dream about it. And you said, they said, well, geez, geez, Brad, what's going on? You look distracted. I think I had a dream about Doctor Who last night. Oh, hubba hubba, which doctor? Uh, the witty one, uh, Hardy Har Har. Uh, so, but yeah, I don't really remember the dream. Anyway, so that's the Doctor Who coverage. Then we have some thank yous at the end. That's the structure of the show. A couple of other things you might remember, might want to remember. You don't really have to listen to this podcast. You can kind of listen. You can barely listen. You could turn me down. You know, there's people who uh, listen just for, for the sound. They, they say, well, I don't even... One, I'm not exactly sure what dialect of the English language you're speaking anyway. Uh, but, you know, I don't know if I understand what you're saying. So I, I just listen for the noise. It's a great uh, uh, So you don't need to listen, but you can. I'll be here till the end to keep you company if you can't sleep. Uh, or if you're having, you know, struggling or you're waking, you're waking up in the middle of the night or you're stressed during the day. I'm here uh, to the very end. Uh, to be your boyfriend, to be your bay. Uh, to be your companion in the deep, dark night. Uh, but you don't need to listen to me, even though, you know, that's, uh, I guess, uh, I don't think that's irony. But uh, so you don't need to listen. And there's also no pressure to fall asleep. And maybe that's where the irony comes in. I'm here to keep you company as you drift off, uh, uh, to take your mind and say, hey, let's look over here. What kind of shoes was the doctor wearing uh, this week? Uh, did we ever figure out if that was a raincoat or a duster? And here's something I never asked. Do, 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 do people dust their dusters with a duster? You'd say, well, what about a dustbuster? Did dustbusters ever have an ad with a dustbuster in a duster? Or, you know, I don't think, I think they missed the boat back then. Now, that's not a thing. It was like a, a portable vacuum. But I don't know if they ever personified the dustbuster. They said, well, we got to lock down. We got Xerox. We got Google. We got spandex, and we got dustbuster, and I'd say, well, oof, uh, one out of four ain't bad, you know. That's still, you know, kind of Xerox is still a thing, maybe. And also, they do all the spandex and uh, dustbuster. Run, they, well, Google wasn't around, and you say you're lucky Google wasn't around when you were then, because people would say, "What is spandex?" and they'd say, "Super tight." Uh, yeah, whatever it is. Is Lycra and Spandex the same thing, or are those different? That's another question I may have. Also, while I was talking, the cats got through to me. They said they don't want any Spandex for their cat's pajamas. And I said, okay, well, back to the old cat pajama lab then, because I was thinking, and I said this to the cats. Believe it or not, this was during the intro. 
And I said, uh, are you sure about that? Because you're just, you're just having a reaction. Because they say, you know, some people like to be swaddled. They got heavy blankets. Maybe some cats would like a tight pajama. And I realize this isn't an SAT question. I'm not saying all cats like tight pajamas. But I'm saying, you know, therefore, some cats don't, you know, like uh, spandex pajamas. You know, all cat, you're saying all cats don't like pajamas, which I've based an entire business on the fact that one day they will love pajamas. Some cats, you know, most cats could love pajamas. And then some cats love spandex pajamas or like, right? We could get it or we could just say, uh, com, you know, no, no, you don't want any compression pajamas. What about me? What about some cats like uh, meander? What about kitten? What about so we put some catnip in there? That might be too. That wouldn't be good for bedtime. The cat's mother's just called in. The mother's of all cats. They said, please don't do that. Please don't put catnip in anything. Uh, especially at bedtime. I said, no problem, moms, kitten moms, uh, consider it done. Uh, but kitten moms, could I interest you in uh, something, you know, in a lycra or spandex or a yoga pant, like one leg of a yoga pant, which I'm assuming is some material like a lycra or a spandex, but maybe they said it will went generic. Does that happen to clothing just like it does with a... Uh, other things, you say, well, you yeah, know, back in the 80s, we, you could only get spandex. But, you know, once the, uh, uh, but once that patent ran out, man, you, you could just get it where, you know, you didn't have to pay the full markup. Uh, you, you didn't have to pay the full markup for, uh, you know, or you didn't have to get lycra. You could finally get spandex. And they said, okay. But now they don't have it. I guess I'm just wondering, and, and my thoughts are petering out. Uh, partly because I realized the answer may be totally, they say, Scooter Man, yeah. They say, well, maybe it just it fell out of taste. Uh, people said, well, spandex, that's the kind of thing you use, uh, you know, what do you use? You use it for biking. Uh, you use it for, you know, maybe, uh, yeah, I don't know what other things. When you want something super tight, uh uh, but then they say, oh, okay, well, we got other, you, I don't know. So so I don't know what happened to spandex. I know kittens and cats and cat mothers, they don't seem interested. But I could say, well, hey, kitten mothers, hey, cats, we've partnered, yeah, with the yoga pant, uh, the big yoga pant company with a symbol. I don't, I forget, they're called like almost something, Omicron, Omicron Delta or whatever it is. And, uh, oh, something like, uh, but yeah, something like Omicron Delta. And, uh, oh, boy, they, they they have their own patented uh, a blend of fabrics, lycra and spandex. Also, no catnip in there. Uh, but whatever keeps cats calm, if there's some material, and then also cotton, of course. Uh, Maybe some horse hair in there. I don't think horse hair would be good for bedtime either. You're right, cat mom. So good thing we're doing this research thing right in the middle of a podcast intro. But yeah, we partnered with that company. So like, uh, actually, what I did was I bought all the extra, the 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 short, like the uh, what do they call the second seconds or whatever. I got the fourths. They said, well, one leg is these ones. Uh, we made the legs two different sizes. And they said it's great. I'm going to cut them up anyway. And make them into you know cat swaddlers, 
You see, your cat needs to be swaddled. To swaddle a cat, uh, only if they want, you know, only the few cats, a small percentage of cats in the world that want to be swaddled. Which, okay, so that didn't work out. I guess no cats want to be swaddled. But I'd like to swaddle you with my words, uh, or not, give you as much space as you want. I'm here to take your mind off stuff, to keep you company, so you can fall asleep. Because I've been there in the deep, dark night. I believe you deserve a good night's sleep. And I'm here to help. Uh, uh, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to be talking here. Uh, so, uh, yeah, just kick back, see how it goes. Uh, but I work very hard. Give it a few tries. Uh, like many reviewers say, it took a few tries. Uh, but I'm here to help uh I work uh, very hard, and I earn a nice drive, and I want to help you fall asleep. Uh, uh, thanks so much, and let's uh, hear a couple of ways we keep this show uh, going. All right, everybody, we're talking uh, Series 2, Season 2, uh, whatever you call it, uh, Episode 4, School Reunion, which is a witty little title uh, uh, because it's a reunion that happens at school. Uh, so I just, and I just got it, but I'm just noticing as I'm record or watching the the version as I recorded that uh, the the first scene is like the headmaster walking through the school. And at first this, the, the uh, walls are like off white. Uh, but then as he gets closer to his office, they're bright lime green, like neon lime green. And I said, what in the heck kind of what is that? Is that is this supposed to be good for learning or something? Uh, but let's see, it's a dude, he, he goes down the stairs, at first I didn't know he was the headmaster, he's in a suit, uh, he's hands in the air, and kind of like this, I guess, upper crust type motion, or maybe like he's counting on his fingers, he's uh, on the lookout, uh, gets the headmaster's office, there's a young kid there, it says he has a tummy ache, he says, why don't you go home? And the kid says they live at Ambrose Hall, which is a place where, like, or Annie lives, uh, he says, oh, poor child, come in. We see the crest on the wall and on the uniform is DV, the crest for the school. And then my handwriting goes, it says T-R-U-B-O-U-B-L-E, Rory Vale. I mean, that's the name of the school, Dury Vale or something, Duryville. I don't know, maybe I'll figure it out later. Man, you know, and then the bell rings. Then we get a WTF because uh, we see the doctor come into class to teach. She's in this beautiful brown a suit with, like, uh, sky blue pinstripes, uh, very casual, but so classy. And I said, if it wasn't for those blue pinstripes, the shoe, shoe like, the suit, I don't know, he, like, uh, the cut, if, if a cut of a jib is how you wear your clothes, uh, I like the cut of his jib. And he also has this reading glasses on or style of glasses. I said, what? And all the kids said, what? Even the doctor. And then it opens... And then we have the doctor saying, teaching physics. He says physics about 55 times. Uh, he writes it on a dry erase board first, uh, throws his marker down with some fl- a flourish of style. Like, I'm the kind of teacher you could talk to. And he says, physics, 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 physics. Uh, then he starts uh, quizzing the kids. Uh, he says, okay, let's do a quick one. Two strips of nylon charged with static electricity hung from a string so they can swing freely. Uh, what if they get brought near each other? And the kid raises his hand, Milo. He goes, off you go, Milo. 
And he goes, they'd repel each other. He goes, correct mundo. And he's like, geez, that's a word I don't think I've ever used before, and I don't hope I don't again. Then he says, question two, if you, I coil a piece of microwire, place it in water, and uh, turn on the electricity and measure to see how the water's temperature is affected, uh, I didn't understand that, but he says, how do I measure the electrical power going to the coil? Only Milo raises his hands. And he says, anybody? And he goes, Milo. And then Milo says, measure the current in the in the PDs and the ammeter and the voltometer. And then the doctor's curiosity struck. He goes, okay, Milo. Uh, he goes, uh, true or false? The greater dampening of the system, the quicker the energy loses its surroundings. False. Uh, what's non-coding DNA? Uh, that doesn't code for protein. And then he says, what's 65,983 times 5? And Milo answers instantly, 329,915. And then he says, how do you travel faster than light? And Milo goes, by opening a quantum tunnel with an FTL factor of 36.7 recurring. And the doctor's like, oh boy. Uh, then we see a sign on the wall. We go to the cafeteria. It says, eat more chips. And uh, everybody's getting lunch. The staff gets their own lunch, which is a nice perk. Uh, looks like it's either fried fish or chicken, chips, gravy, mashed potatoes. Uh, really a gigantic lunch. I said, doctor, buddy, the good thing you're uh, whatever, eternal. Uh, doctor's eating his chips with a fork. Rose is not happy. She's working the lunch line. And uh, we're serving lunch. Uh, Doctors all grins, uh, ponders his chip. While he was eating it off the fork, he was pondering it. Rose comes over to clean the table and uh, kind of catches up with the doctor. He goes, I wish I had school dinners like this, or Rose says that. And doctor goes, uh, do you see, like, uh, something's, there's gravy in here. Something's up with the kids that's too smart, or one kid is. And he goes, the chips are different. Rose goes, they're gorgeous. Uh, and he goes, it's well-behaved here. He goes, Then he says, I thought there'd be happy hoodies uh, with ASBOs and ringtones or something. And I said, what in the heck is he talking Maybe it's 2006. I mean, I guess I got ringtones. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I didn't even look that up. Rose isn't happy. Uh, then she gets, she's, they've been working there two days. Oh, she has a blue apron on. She even has to wear a white hat. Uh, and he says, blame your boyfriend. This was his idea to investigate this one. Uh, then Rose gets busted for, you know, talking to the teachers. They say, you work in the lunchroom. Get back to work. Uh, then another teacher in a suit. I said, you got to wear a suit to teach at this school. That sounds rough, uh. He comes over, he talks to Melissa, Kenny, and Luke, uh, and the headmaster's watching. I think Melissa qualified for, like, advanced classes. Kenny's supposed to eat, is in a band from eating chips. Uh, Rose is cleaning as they bring in this big barrel into the lunchroom. Then Mickey ro- ro- calls Rose from his desk or something where he's working. He's got a book of abbreviations. And he's holding, he's uh, hacking into something, and tor- he's got a Torchwood lockout. Uh, there's also a book next to him, The Ascent of Man. Now, it turns out it's not a book, uh, or maybe it is. Uh, let me look, look at it. I'm going to try to get a good look at it. 
Torchwood access denied. Oh, yeah, it is the it must be the book version, but I looked that up. We'll talk about that later. Uh, barrel, the barrel gets spilled. There's also a sign that says BFST, and that's where Kenny, whatever room, uh, uh, not Kenny, um, Mickey's working in. Best friends to stick together. Remember that BFST. Uh, there's also a drawing of a flag with eyes. Rose calls in for help as they spill the barrel. You want me to help clean it up? They go, we got it covered, yo. Then we go to the computer lab where one of the suited teachers is uh, showing the kids these green screens with spinning cubes and word-coded words, symbols, some sort of logoology or something. And the kids are all on their headphones with blank stares at this spinning green cube, type typing away super fast. There's frantic music. Yeah, the teacher stares. It's a long scene, a little montage of kids typing and watching spinning green cubes. Uh, then we see the headmaster talking kind of with uh, nervously to a woman as they go downstairs. He's kind of bragging about test results and the quality of the chips at school. She's Miss Smith. He's Mr. Finch. And we'll talk about her a lot later. They talk about cubits in the teacher's lounge or something, how... Uh, also, there's a sign in the teacher's lounge. It's 20 pence uh, per something for tea and coffee. I don't know if it's per teacher per month or per semester. And you got to pay Paulette. Uh, so you owe Paulette 20 pence for tea and coffee. Uh, then they're talking about the change out. Like uh, the doctor's eating a snack as they talk about how the, like, the change out all the teachers, one who won the lottery, moment of music or something. And it's a journalist. He says, hello. Uh, and he says, I should think so. So the doctor meets the journalist, and he's uh, and he's he's smitten or something. And she goes, who are you? He goes, John Smith. And she goes, oh, I had a friend. Uh, uh, he was a very uncanny man or something, uncommon man. He used to travel to call himself John Smith. And the doctor's all something, all grins, all nervous, second duty. The second day, good for you. Oh, good for you. Uh, let me look this up because my handwriting is... Uh, but he's talking to this uh, Jane Smith. Uh, let's see here. We got the teachers, Finch, doctor. Yeah. Oh, hello. I should think so. John Smith. Uh, yeah, brilliant. Nice to meet you. Yes, very nice. Uh, she goes, oh, yeah. Have you worked here? And goes, no, it's my second day. And she goes, this is a school. Something's up with it, I think. That's what I'm, and she goes, I'm going to have a look around. And the doctor goes, good for you. Oh, good for you. Oh, good for you, Sarah Jane Smith. And this was new new to me because I didn't, you know, I don't have a lot of history with the doctors. Uh, the doctor breathes and smiles. Uh, uh, then a kid with uh, something posture investigates. Uh, bad posture, I would assume. He sees the teacher has uh, kind of transformed. Oh, yeah, it's Kenny. It turns out Kenny plays a role in this. Uh, Kenny's got bad posture, though. So he sees a teacher who, uh, like, the teachers like have this strange thing where they pretend they're uh, birds, uh, like nocturnal birds. Uh, uh, then it's the evening. We see it's a reporter sneaking into school at night. Uh, and at the same time, Dr. Mickey and Rose are sneaking into the school. And the doctor has trouble being witty. Is that what it says? Uh, 
let's see, mass department, let's see, the, like, uh, Rose says, it's weird being at school at night, I used to think the teacher slept here, and doctor goes, okay, team, oh, yeah, he's having trouble, oh, not team, crew, and he goes, Rose, go to the kitchen, get some oil, Mickey, uh, look up the, the, the new staff, they're all math teachers, uh, go look in the math department, and they call them maths, uh, People in the U.S., uh, just so you know. And Rose goes, you can be okay? And Mickey goes, please. To Mickey, he says, investigation? I'm an expert. Uh, Then he goes the wrong way. And she goes down the other way. And then we see the reporter, Sarah Jane. She sees one of the birds. Rose gets the oil sample. Uh, split up. Uh, doctor hears a bird noise. Uh, eat more chips. We see another sign. Reporter runs across the TARDIS, and then there's you know some music uh, to counter you know act that. Uh, and uh, Doctor waits. He says, "Hello, Sarah Jane." And she goes, "Doctor, it's you. You've regenerated." He goes, "Yeah, half a dozen times." She goes, well, "You look great." He goes, "So do you." She goes, "Well, I'm older now." What are you doing here? He goes, well, you know, we've been around. We're looking into stuff. Uh, and she goes, I thought you were, you know, at the big farm, you know, big TARDIS in the sky. She goes, I waited, thought you'd come back. Uh, and he goes, everybody else uh, went to the big TARDIS. You know, all the other Time Lords. I'm the last of the Time Lords. Uh, and she goes, I can't believe it's you. Then we hear Mickey say, oh, boy, uh, found something. And they all run, uh, and then Rose is running. They're looking for Mickey. Rose meets Sarah, and Sarah already gets a little past the She goes, oh, doctor, you tell you're getting older. Your assistants are getting younger. And uh, Rose goes, I'm nobody's assistant, yo. And then Mickey's like, I found the biology tests for next week. Should we sell them to any kids? And they say, no, no, no. Yeah, then they're walking the halls, let's see. Uh, Rose goes, can we focus on this? Uh, Why the biology test not uh, at home in the teacher's briefcases or whatever? And Rose goes, who are you, by the way? Then they're walking the hall. And Sarah says, I used to travel with the doctor. Rose goes, really, never heard of you. And the doctor goes, oh, yeah, I mentioned to you Sarah Jane before. And Rose goes, no, no, no. And uh, she goes, so this season, it's not 100% clear, but I think it's pretty clear that Rose and the doctor are uh, hubba hubba, wubba wubba. Because uh, Mickey even says, the misses and the ex, uh, every man's, you know, trouble, trouble. Uh, then they say, maybe the biology tests were for the teachers, uh, so the teachers could pass the tests. Uh, because it, all the teachers are pretending they're birds uh, sleeping in this room. They find them. Uh, let's see. TARDIS, teachers sleeping. Mickey runs out of school when he sees that. He says, I don't need to see teachers pretending they're birds. The doctor says, I need the TARDIS. Uh, and uh, let's see. Then something and is searching or something. Then they go to Sarah Jane's trunk and canines in there like a robot dog. And Rose says, it's so disco. Canine Mark Three, to be precise. Uh, and uh, the actress says, oh, boy, the near 5,000, this was cutting edge. 
And uh, she goes, well, she goes, Sarah goes, it needs to be repaired. Uh, I brought it with me. I don't know why she has it in her trunk, actually, because she's like, it's not working. And the doctor goes, oh, dear. Uh, meanwhile, one of the teachers is a bird and is watching them like a bird. It says, I'm like a bird. I'm not going to fly away. I'm going to fly around here. Uh, I need the TARDIS. The doctor talks like it's a real dog about a canine. Yeah, then they're at a cafe or bistro or something working on canine, fixing canine. They're talking about breaking up and going back. Uh, and the doctor still has some things he's keeping. Because uh, uh, it's like uh, and Mickey's giving Rose a hard time. And who says, oh boy. So it's like a quite an interesting uh, love, love uh, quadrant. And Sarah said, geez, I thought he had Christmas Day when those ships came. And the doctor goes, yeah, I was up there with Rose. Uh, and Sarah says, well, what happened? Well, you know, uh, the doctor says, I can't handle goodbyes, basically, especially time-related goodbyes. Uh, can't do it. He goes, where'd you drop me off? Croydon? Uh, and he goes, she, the doctor goes, right? And she goes, no, 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 Aberdeen. And the doctor says, isn't that next to Croydon? Then K-9 comes activated, and it says, hello, uh, doctor. And the doctor goes, yeah, it's me. And K-9 says, affirmative. Very much a little bit like C-3PO. Uh, then the K-9 can uh, uh, even uh, scan oil, which is acrylatane oil or something. And the doctor says, oh, that's who the teachers are, acrylatanes, uh, composite, uh, an amalgam, uh, Kind of like England, like bits of Viking, French, whatever. Uh, they, you know, they kind of take the best uh, from everybody. They're kind of colonists, uh, so, you know, depending on your opinion, good or, you know, not great. Uh, but for them, they, they keep the traditions they like. Uh, and Mickey goes, what's the deal with the tin dog? He says this to Sarah, and the doctor says, or Sarah says, the doctor likes an entourage. Uh, sometimes humans... Sometimes non-humans, sometimes tin dogs. And she goes, what are you? And Mickey goes, me? I'm the, uh, let's see. He goes, I'm the flyby man, man with the plan. Yeah, let's see, where is it? Uh thought I wrote, wrote what he said, but he says, yeah, I'm their tactical sport. And he goes, oh, no, I'm the tin dog. Curse of the Time Lord. That was another thing doctor says because I can't uh, say goodbye. It's the next day we see school, bell ring, action music. Everybody splits up. Uh, yeah, they, they say, uh, I don't know, that they, they, they don't know what they said, but uh, they split up. We see Mr. Finch's shoes. He's staring at the doctor. The doctor's staring back. They're in a pool room meeting. Oh, they left Mickey in the car with the canine. That's the scene. I must have not... Uh, yeah, so like, uh, but yeah, so the doctor and Mr. Finch say, doctor goes, who are you? He goes, I'm Brother Lassa. And he goes, since when did Krilla trains or whatever fly like birds? He goes, oh yeah, 10 generations ago from the bassons or the bassoons. And he goes, you're human. He goes, yeah, I like your humans. He goes, everybody else is just a morphic illusion. He goes, what are the time, time lords? You always thought you were hot stuff, huh? Uh, you didn't like change and chaos, though. And now you're the last one. 
And the doctor says, what are you up to? And Finch goes, you don't know already? And the doctor says, no, I'm asking. And Finch says, well, figure it out. And then the doctor says, if I don't like it, I'll stop it. And he goes, well, I thought you were peaceful people. He goes, you seem to be something new. And the doctor says, yeah, I'm old now. And, not, you know, I'm tougher. You only get one warning this season. It's my theme. And the dude does, I don't got any problems. Doctor, what's up? I'm just here. You know, we're just colonizing this school. Why don't you leave us alone? Yeah, then Mickey's in the car saying, oh, why do I, you know, complaining to K-9. Why do I get stuck with the dog? Uh, uh, you know, whatever. Also, there's no running sign at the pool. Uh, then Sarah Jane's having trouble with the sonic screwdriver, but Rose can handle the sonic screwdriver. Uh, and so they still, she goes, don't feel threatened by me. Rose goes, I don't. And she, she, Sarah goes, yeah, because I'm not really interested in picking up the passionate thing we, you know, me and Doctor had. And Rose goes, really? And she goes, yeah, no, no, no. It was hard getting back to Earth, and I'm used to it. Uh, I don't want to be caught in the doctor's great hair and dreamy eyes and stuff like that. And Rose goes, back when you met, it was like like rationing times, the Middle Ages. You probably couldn't handle that space stuff. And then they go back and forth, like, who's got to do Like, uh, we even hung in the lock and asked. And Rose goes, really? She goes, it's kind of like me and Shireen, uh, you know, fall out over the man, now we're arguing over the doctor. Uh, does he, when you were with you, when we were together, where you were together, was he like talking nonstop? And then you're like, what? Uh, and then he looks at you and says, what did you spill water out of your mouth? Uh, and she goes, yeah, does he still stroke the TARDIS? And Rose goes, yeah, yeah. And she's like, I'm like, do you two want to be alone? And then they're cracking up. The doctor comes in, they're still laughing. And the doctor's like, cut it out, cut it out. Uh, let's see, laugh at him, new ship, uh, shop or something, new shop on the, on the headmaster. The headmaster's like basically like his final FaceTime. Everybody's at recess playing ball and stuff, and they say, everyone, they get inside for a big test, except for Kenny, the kid with the spiked hair. Then the staff, or the regular staff, they, they, get, uh, they, they get birded. And the doctor's trying to work on a computer. He goes, what are they teaching these kids? Uh, Finch is in his office with a toothpick. He locks uh, the doors, and then they do a process, the kids' montage, where all the kids are looking at the green cubes on the green screen. Uh, Everyone but Kenny, who's running in the halls, uh, he's looking in all the classrooms, trying to figure out what to do. And he runs downstairs. He calls. He's stuck in the school, but he calls to Mickey in the car. He says, "Get in here." So Mickey's like uh, almost decoded. Oh, then we see the cubes. The kids have almost decoded. Doctor says, "No, it can't be." As he tries to figure out what they're doing, then Mickey hits buttons on the canine, who states the. Mickey goes, "What are we going to do?" And canine goes, "We're in a car. Just open the door of the car." Uh, and then we go back to the doctor. He goes, oh, this is what they're doing. They're kind of trying to do this paradigm, Skase's paradigm, universal theory. And uh, then you control the universe, time, space, and matter, like gods and goddesses. And, yeah, the oil, the chips, the computers, the kids, it's all uh, 
it's all doing it. And then Rose goes, well, what, do you think I'm super smart from loyal? Doctor goes, uh, 59 times 35. And Rose goes, 2065. Whoa. And they go, why kids? And they go, well, kids have a better imagination to break the code. And, you know, they're using all the kids. Kind of like uh, kids breaking capsicus or whatever. Magic chips, just brains. Uh, let the lesson begin. And uh, then Finch says, you know, this is it, Doctor. We're going to solve the paradigm. So do you want to join us or not? Uh, and, uh, well, you, 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 you know, Doctor, we're going to change things. He goes, change things? Are you thinking about... Uh, no, they say, you, Doctor, you act like a radical, but you want to keep the old order. We want to change. Uh, and uh, Doctor goes, you change? And they go, yeah, no, no, we have power, but you could give us wisdom, uh, work with us. Uh, he goes, you could go back and uh, save the rest of the Time Lords, reborn. And the Doctor looks tempted for a minute, uh because yeah, he said, I like the things they are, power versus wisdom, timeless order return, timeless race, or timeless... Oh, he goes, I give Rose, I'll, I'll make Rose timeless. He goes, there's so many goodbyes, how lonely you must be, Doctor. Uh, and he's tempted, but then Sarah Jane says, pain and loss, they define us as much as happiness and love. And they said, where were you when I, I need you all the time, Sarah Jane, saying that to me. She said, everything has its time, Doctor. Cracks a monitor. So then the doctor cracks a monitor. Mickey gets into school with Kenny. He's running around the school with Kenny and K-9. Finch calls everybody into bird mode. Uh, so teachers are flying around in bird mode. Uh, and then everyone ends up in the cafeteria. K-9 goes into laser mode. Uh, like a laser that makes the birds fly away. He calls it defense mode. But then K-9 says, my batteries are low. Uh, and then the doctor says, it's the oil. He goes, they, they can't handle the oil. Uh, it'll clog their bird pores. Uh, uh, so he goes, Mickey, go and plug the kids. Uh, Kenny, Kenny, they get stuck. And Kenny goes, well, we'll just turn on the school bells. Birds don't like school bells. Then they're running around. Uh, Mickey uh, does something. does something good. And then they say, canine laser the oil barrels. Uh, Mickey follows the conduit, turns the power off, so the kids aren't under you know, working on that control. Uh, teachers are on patrol, and canine stays behind. It sounds a bit like C-3PO, you know, when canine says, okay, only here to serve, you know, that whole thing. And then the kids get away, school goes to the big farm, papers flying everywhere. And then this, like, uh, young Hermione Granger says, uh, Hey, Kenny, did you, is this was all you're doing? Uh, you're like a Ron Weasley. You're a hero. And Kenny goes, Whoa, hubba, hubba. Uh, something side. Oh, the doctor gives Sarah a hug, but it's a side hug. And I said, Holy cow. I never related to the doctor more in my life than all this uh, awkward intimacy. Uh, Gordon Tardis, cup of tea. He says, do you, do you want to come in the TARDIS and have a cup of tea? Supreme, uh, let me see. Let's see, canine, oil barrels, uh, school. Oh, yeah, they're in this park. Uh, so then the doctor, she goes, oh, you've redecorated. The doctor goes, yeah. 
And she goes, yeah, I preferred it as, but this will do. And Rose goes, I love it the way it is here. And Sarah goes, can you still do math? And Rose goes, no. And she goes, but you're still clever, more than a match for him. And Rose goes, you and me both, uh, doctor. The doctor says, hey, we're going to head off, Sarah. But if you want to really be awkward, you could come with us. You know, just stay out of here, you know, but, but, you know, me and, you know, get, get, as long as we know the boundaries, uh, or maybe not, I don't know. He doesn't say anything about that. And she goes, no, I'm on my own adventure now. I got my own life. Uh, and Mickey goes, can I come? And he goes, no, no, with you, doctor. He goes, I'm not the tin dog. I want to see what's out there. And I said, Mickey, what are you doing? Like, uh, what are you, but Sarah goes, yeah, do it, uh. Sarah Jane Smith, Mickey Smith, you need a Smith on board. And doctor says, okay, Mickey, you crack me up anyway. And then Rose goes, listen, Sarah, is this, what do I do here? This is even, and she goes, uh, it's worth it, believe me. Uh, and if you need to, after, you know, after the breakup, come find me. Uh, let's see, nope, uh, want to see what's out there. Mickey's in, Rose not pleased, uh, holy rectangle I put, uh, uh, then, uh, oh, Rose had a shirt that said pirates are cool, I think, uh, and, uh, Sarah, then there was just a doctor and Sarah alone, she goes, listen, I wanted to thank you for the time we did have together, and the doctor goes, well, you can tell it to your grandkids, she goes, yeah, she goes, you're a tough act to follow, she goes, you know, after that, uh, and uh, he goes, uh, no goodbyes. She says, goodbye, doctor. He goes, no, no, no. And she goes, say goodbye, please. And he says, goodbye, my Sarah Jane. And then they have a real legit hug. And uh, he he gets on the back on the TARDIS. Uh, and uh, as the TARDIS vanishes, uh, a canine, a rebuilt canine is there. And Sarah goes, K-9, and the K-9 says, Mistress? And she goes, what happened? And she, K-9 says, Master rebuilt me with new systems, uh, hyperlink faculties or something. And she goes, so you're a brand new model. And K-9 says, affirmative. Uh, and she goes, yeah, he does that. Uh, let's go get to work. And K-9 says, affirmative. And uh, then the episode uh, comes to a close. All right, so let's see what came up on this episode. The first thing was Sarah Jane Smith, uh, which I didn't realize she had such a history uh, with Doctor Who. Uh, she's played by Elizabeth Sladen. And uh, let's see, I lost my page here, but uh, it's coming up. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so she has a long history with uh, Doctor Who and two of its spinoffs, uh, She's a dogged investigative journalist who first encounters the doctor uh, trying to break a story on a research facility, then becomes his traveling companion uh, for four seasons. Then they part, part ways. Uh, she goes back to Earth. Uh, then she becomes a committed defender of Earth, uh, occasionally reuniting with the doctor, uh, all while still writing articles as a freelance journalist. Uh, she's one of the Doctor's longest-serving companions, co-starring in 18 sorties with the third and fourth incarnations of the Doctor from 73 to 76. Uh, her and Canine appeared in the 1981 pilot Canine and Company. I wonder if that's out there to watch. Uh, 
She was in the 20th anniversary Fifth Doctor story, The Five Doctors, in 1983. The 30th anniversary story, Dimensions in Time, in 1993. Uh, two radio serials with The Third Doctor. And uh, in a spinoff audio drama, Sarah Jane Smith. And uh, she's also in several episodes with The Tenth Doctor. Uh, and as a central character of her own series, uh, The Sarah Jane Adventures, which went from 2007 to 2011, and included appearances by the 10th and 11th Doctors. Uh, let's see, originally it was offered to April Walker. Uh, let's see, yeah, it kind of covers it. Uh, she first appeared in The Time Warrior, where she managed to, they, uh, yeah, she was going undercover. I think her last episode, uh, let's read about the following the 2005 Doctor Who revival. revival. She was in the school reunion. Uh, then uh, uh, they both investigate Headmaster Finch. Uh, exposition reveals uh, their past. Uh, Rose and her have back and forth. Uh, uh, the success of the episode led to the development of the Sarah Jane Adventures, uh, produced by BBC Wales for CBBC. Uh, in the Sarah Jane Adventures, she investigates things uh, covertly from her manor house in Bannerman Road, uh, driving an emerald green Nissan, uh, which is uh, her sentient supercomputer, Mr. Smith, and uh, a sonic lipstick device. Uh, uh, let's see, so that's interesting. K- I don't know, K-9, uh, K-9 left Sarah to close off a black hole at some point uh, uh, due to the concurrent development of the K-9 uh, television series. Uh, so there's a little bit about Sarah Jane. I mean, there's a lot more. Uh, she's also been in Doctor Who novels and short stories. Uh, she was consistently voted the most Doctor Who companion until the advent of the new series in 2005, uh, which now there's uh, Rose Tyler and Donna Noble competing. Uh, but she felt it was because the doctors she, she worked with were so popular. Uh, in 2012, Toby Whitehouse, who wrote Sarah Jane's return at school reunion, said she was his favorite companion from the classic series, uh, she was a comic companion. I think she, more than any other before, redefined the role of the companion. Uh, there are elements of Sarah Jane Smith you can see in every companion, downward to Amy. She changed the companion from being a helpless person to a feisty, opinionated, strong equal. And at the time, that was quite an extraordinary thing to do. Uh, you know, they were supposed to be uh, powerless. I'm now paraphrasing. Uh, in decoration. And what Liz Sladen did was uh, quite extraordinary. We forget how revolutionary she was at the time. Now, another thing we saw that next to Mickey was The Ascent of Man. And it was uh, it looked like a book, and I guess it is a book, by uh, Bron, Bronowowski, Bronowowski. Uh, but it's actually a 13-part British documentary TV series by BBC and Time Life Film, first broadcast in 1973. And it was written and presented by British mathematician and historian of science, Jacob Bronowski, Bronowski, uh, 
intended as a series of personal view documentaries in the manner of uh, Kevin Kenneth Clark's uh, 69 series Civilization. Highly acclaimed for its informed but eloquent simple analysis, uh, elegant monologues, and extensive location shoots. The uh, title alludes to The Descent of Man, Darwin's second book in evolution. Over 13 episodes, uh, Bronowski Bronow, Bronow, traveled the world around the world to trace the development of human society through its understanding of science. Uh, commissioned to complement a civilization where Clark argued that art was informed by, uh, was reflected and informed by major driving forces in cultural evolution. Bronowski wrote the 1951 book, The Common Sense of Science, uh, which, quote, says, it has been one of the most destructive modern prejudices that art and science are different and somehow incompatible interests. Uh, both series were commissioned by David Attenborough, uh, then controller of BBC Two, whose colleague Aubrey Singer had been astonished by uh, Attenborough's prioritizing in arts, uh, in arts given his science background. Uh, the book of the series, The Ascent of Man, A Personal View, is almost a word-for-word transcript of the television episodes, uh, uh, diverging only from the narration when the lack of images might make meaning unclear. Uh, it was sh- shot in 16-millimeter film. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, additional music uh, from Pink Floyd and the Moody Blues. Yeah, it was released on DVD in 2009, 2007, and the episodes are 15, 52 minutes. Lower Than Angels, uh, Harvest of the Seasons, The Grain in the Stone, The Hidden Structure, Music of the Spheres, uh, Starry Messenger, Majestic Clockwork, Drive for Power, Ladder of Creation, World Within World, Knowledge or Certainty, Generation upon generation in the long childhood. Uh, so, something maybe worth checking out. I'm not sure if it uh, streams anywhere, but uh, hopefully it does. But what about Cubits? I thought that was a good word for anybody taking the SAT. Cubit, C U B I T, is an ancient unit of the length, has several definitions according to the various cultures that use the unit. Uh, it could be somewhere between 444 and 529.2 millimeters at 17.48 uh, to 20.83 inches. And it was based on the forearm length from the tip of the middle finger to the bottom of the elbow. Uh, cubits of various lengths were used in many parts in antiquity, including the Middle Ages and as early as early modern times, uh, still used in hedge laying. Uh, the length of the forearm being used to determine the interval uh, between stakes placed within the hedge. Uh, it comes from the Latin noun cubitus, uh, elbow, or cubo, cubare, cubi, cubitum, to lie down. Uh, also, that's where recumbent comes from. Uh, so that's a little bit about cubits, party har har. What about disco? Uh, this ain't no party. This ain't no disco. This ain't no fooling around. Uh, uh, disco, according to Wikipedia, is a music genre and subculture that emerged in the 60s, mid-60s, and early 70s uh, in America's urban nightlife scene. 
It started out as a melange of music from venues popular with African Americans, Hispanic and Latino Americans, Italian Americans, uh, LGBT people, and psychedelic hippies in Philadelphia and New York City in the late 60s and 70s. It can be seen as a reaction to the dominance of rock music and the stigmatization of dance music by the counterculture. So not that different, I mean, in some ways than the 50s revival, I mean, in a different way, but uh, parallels the whole 50s uh, renaissance uh, and shanana. Several dance styles were developed during this time, including the bump and the hustle. The disco sound is typified by four-on-the-floor beats, uh, syncopated bass lines, string sessions, horns, electric piano synthesizers, and electric rhythm guitars. Uh, lead guitar features less frequently in disco than rock. Well-known disco artists include Donna Summer, the Bee Gees, Gloria Gaynor, Casey and the Sunshine Band, The Village People, Thelma Houston, and Chic. Uh, and many, at the height of the genre's popularity, many non-disco artists, including Donald Duck, recorded disco songs. Uh, performers and singers garnered public attention. Uh, record work, producers worked behind the scenes, developing the genre. Films like Saturday Night Fever and Thank God It's Friday contributed to mainstream popularity. In the 70s, major U.S. cities had thriving disco club scenes, and DJs would mix dance records at clubs like Studio 54. Uh, discotheque goers also often wore expensive, extravagant fashions. You know, people were also, you know, partying pretty hard there. Uh, here's something interesting. This disco was the last popular mu- music movement driven by the baby boom generation. Uh, it began to come out of the United States in 79 to 80, and by 82 it had lost all popularity in the U.S. Uh, and uh, there was even anti-disco nights. Uh, but disco was a key influence in uh, EDM, house music, uh, and had several revivals. The uh, origins of the terms come from discotheque, which meant a library for phonograph records, uh, and then became a term for nightclubs in Paris. Uh, by the early 1940s, the term disc jockey and DJ were used to describe radio presenters. Uh, in 66 to 74, there's proto-disco and Philly R&B musicians uh, adopted several traits from the hippie and psychedelic subcultures, uh, like uh, using music venues with loud uh, sound, freeform dancing, trippy lighting, colorful costumes. Uh, psychedelic solo groups like the Chambers Brothers and Sly and the Family Stone influenced proto-disco acts like Isaac Hayes, Willie Hutch, and Philadelphia Sound. In addition, the perceived positivity, lack of irony, and earnestness of the hippies informed proto-disco music. Uh, uh, let's see. A forerunner to disco-style clubs were private dance parties, uh, held by New York City DJ David Mancuso in the loft, a members-only club at his home. When Mancuso first, uh, threw his first high, high, uh, house parties, uh, it gave a chance for the gay community uh, to escape getting uh, uh, bugged by uh, the authority figures uh, in New York uh, and where people could freely dance together and, you know, just get down and boogie, I guess, and lay down and boogie and play that funky music. Uh, uh, first article about disco was written in 73 by Vince Letty for Rolling Stone. 
1974, WPIX FM was the first had the first disco radio show. Yeah, Philadelphia Soul, New York Soul were evolutions of Motown sound and typified by lavish percussion, lush string orchestra arrangements, and expected expensive record production process. Uh, and that all became part of the prominent mid seventies disco songs. Yeah, so this is a little bit about disco. Uh, and you can find out more on Wikipedia or where you know wherever you know the beat strikes you. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the Loch Ness. So just a, just the place. Uh, it's a large, deep freshwater loch in the Scottish Highlands. Uh, extends to twenty-three miles southwest of Inverness. Uh, its surface is fifty-two feet above sea level, sixteen meters. And it's best known for, you know, saying, does any uh, ancient dinosaurs live in here named Nessie? Uh, it's connected to the southern end by the River Orch uh, in a section of the Caledonian Canal, canal to the Loch Oich. Oich, 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 Oich. Uh, at the northern end are the Bona Narrows, uh, which opens out into Loch Dock 4 which feeds the river Ness uh, in a further section of the canal to Inverness, uh, ultimately leading to the North Sea via the Moray Firth. Uh, it is one of a series of interconnected murky bodies of water in Scotland, uh, low water visibility due to a high peak content in the surrounding soil. It's the second largest Scottish loch uh, by surface area, 52 kilometers, 20 squared, uh, 22 square miles. Uh, after Loch Lomond, uh, but due to its great depth, it's the largest by volume in the British Isles. Uh, its deepest point is 230 meters, that's 126 fathoms, 755 feet, uh, making it the second deepest loch in Sky- Scotland after Loch Morar. 2016 survey claimed to have discovered a crevice that pushed the depth to 271 meters. Uh, but further research said that was an anomaly. It contains more fresh water than all the lakes in England and Wales combined and is the largest body of water in the Great Glen, which runs from Inverness uh, to Fort William. Now, there's also a movie about this uh, that I, I'd have seen a few times, but never clear-headed, uh, and it's called The Incident Loch Ness. Uh, it's a mockumentary by Werner Herzog and Zach Penn. It's just a small cast of, uh, it's like, it's, it's, I don't know, I really liked it, uh, but it, this was, I haven't seen it since I've uh, become a clear-headed person. Uh, it's like uh, Herzog's uh, filming a movie called The Enigma of Loch Ness, uh, and uh, they're kind of showing him, Ricky Jay's in there, I think Jeff Goldblum's in it too. And uh, Zach Penn says we're going to make this movie into a blockbuster, uh, so I have to rewatch it. Uh, and uh, there's a lot of tension between Herzog and Penn. Is Penn tries to control things, uh, and it's actually this is a spoiler. Just to say, tell you, I haven't seen the DVD, but uh, I mean, maybe the extras. Uh, it's a documentary film within a film within a film. Uh, Idea invented by Penn. Uh, the ruse is revealed in Easter eggs uh, hidden on the DVD. 
Penn wrote a scriptment, which is part script, part treatment, uh, outlined the structure of the film and key dialogue, but uh, most of it was improv. Uh, as shown on the DVD, it was like a, like a, a hoax because uh, some media people thought that it was an actual film. Uh, adding to the verisimilitude was the fact that everyone that appears on screen is a real person and most are, in fact, who they say they are. Uh, even the the crew, it gets a 62% on Rotten Tomatoes and 62 on Metacritic. Uh, Roger Ebert enjoyed the film, saying three out of four stars. Uh, watching the movie is an entertaining exercise in forensic viewing. And the insidious thing is that even if it's a con, who is a conner and who is a con E? And Kenneth Thoron of the uh, Los Angeles Times called it an amusing mock documentary that spends considerable energy artfully trying to make you believe it's as real as real it can be. Yeah, so that's a little bit about that. And, uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, good night. It's time to uh, tuck you into a nice uh, bed of peat moss. Uh, get comfortable there. Some discos playing and uh, just cubits away as uh, K-9 and uh, Sarah Jane... Uh, keep watch over Earth. Uh, good night.